Throughout pretty much all of my life, I have had a complicated relationship with my body, which I know is exactly what you wanted to hear from the pastor as he stepped up on stage this morning, right? No, I'm embracing the awkward, um, and I, I hope just what you can hear as we discuss this topic together today um, is that I don't ever want to be graphic, but I do want to be real, because God cares about the real world, and we are real people with everyday lives. So, good morning. I am Andrew Bullock. I'm the associate pastor here at Dallas Church, um, and I did sit down and talk to some people about this message before I stood up to say it to make sure I could still be the associate pastor next week when I had said these things. But, but just let me be honest. I have really struggled to feel comfortable with the skin that I am in. Um, when I was nine years old, I had some sort of sickness and disease. And like the doctors never really figured out what it was. Like was it something that was autoimmune? Was I just the nine-year-old who got mono? Or like what, what was happening here? But for three months, I had to sit on the couch and I couldn't play in the backyard. I couldn't ride my bike. I couldn't hang out with my friends. All I could do was like read books and watch TV because I didn't even really have the energy to play video games, which is the nightmare, right? At nine years old, I couldn't even play video games. But, but I, I had that season and I think that that still sits with me. Like to this day, um, if I get a cold, I have a little bit of a panic moment because I know that if I get sick, it's not necessarily guaranteed that I'll get better. And, and that is just a fear that lives like deep down in myself. When I was 13 years old, um, I had to have a surgery because I had polyps growing on the inside of my intestinal tract, which makes you so popular to say that in middle school, right? But, but I've just had this relationship with my body where it, it doesn't look the way I want it to look. It doesn't function the way that I want it to function. And so for so much of my life, how would I answer the question, am I grateful for the skin that I'm in? And I would have said, no, I'm not. And I think many of us have been there. Like if I had the magic wand or I gave you, you know, the, the magic switch, you get to change one thing about yourself, how many of us would do that? You don't have to put your hands up, right? But one person, they're like, do I only get one? Is that the only thing that I can change? Because I, I just, I know that in our world, we live in a world where we feel the, the disconnect. We have complicated relationships. It's hard to be grateful for the body that we have. And so I think I'm not alone in this. Our world is full of eating disorders, self-harm, self-loathing, self-hatred, people who live with chronic pain and depression and anxiety, and even just at a small level, how many of us are allergic to something we just really wish we could eat, right? Like, it'd be really fun. And that's not a statistic. That's our family. 
Like, that's the church in this room. Like, that's, that's the life that we live. These are our neighbors. I have, in the last two years, talked with, prayed with, sat with someone who is experiencing all of the things I just listed off. Not just one person, but, but in our church, this is here. And so, I think that this is a pain point, and I think that God might have some stuff to say about this. So let's pray. Let's go to God. Father God, um, we invite you to give us a new perspective. God, we invite you to heal us so that we can be grateful for the bodies that you've given us. God, we come before you. We trust you. We love you. And we ask that your spirit would fill this room as your word is spoken today. It is in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I think our culture does not help us with this. Like, our culture does not help us have a better image or to be grateful for the body that God has given us. And and if I was to put on what I'd call like the hat of the prophet, because if you look in the Bible, prophets don't tell the future, prophets tell the truth. And and if I was to call out some things in our culture, um, we are flooded with advertisements and visual images and perspectives on like what the human body could would should look like like I'm I'm just watching YouTube and I'm getting all the ads that are like try this diet get a six-pack this way do this do that and we get this non-stop and do you know that the actors and the actresses who end up on the cover of magazines when they look at themselves in that picture they feel disassociation. They look at that, they say, that's not what I look like because we live in the Photoshop world. We live in a world where we are programming ourselves for how we are going to think about what a human could, would, should look like. And it doesn't look like what I see when I look in the mirror. Like, it doesn't look like me. Um, Ben and I tried out TikTok one time. Okay, because we wanted to be really cool and relevant, like we're that church, right? So we got on TikTok, and our, our thing that we just couldn't get past is it's all pretty people. I don't know where they're finding everybody, because I go to Safeway. I know what humans look like, right? <laughs> but, but TikTok is just all these people that, that are, you know, they just they look really good. And, and I think that This is programming us, because if you see 300 people and 200 of them look like models and 100 of them look like what I'd call normal people, what does that do to program our minds and our expectations? We've had just, God is doing some really cool things in the last two years with our church and some of the pornography recovery ministries that have happened where there are, there are people being healed and released from addictions that have ruled their life for years. And part of that problem in that addiction is that there is a reprogramming for the expectation of what a human would look like. And so, guys, this is our whole world, and, and we don't even notice it because it's like we're fish in water. Like we're swimming in this every single day. And so I would call that out. And so then how does this program us or how does this put us in a place where I have to ask you, like, do you believe that your body is a gift or a curse? 
Do you believe that the body God has given you, is that something you're grateful for? When, when um, this, I think, was even before I was born, um, my grandfather is a dentist. He had, you know, esteemed member of the community. Well, one day, uh, my grandma invited someone over to their house, and um, they came over. I don't know if they're having coffee with grandma or whatnot, but they could hear from the shower my grandpa singing, I love myself, I love myself so much. Like, he's, he's singing this, like, you know, mental health little thing, and how silly is that? But how hard is it for us to come to terms with and be grateful for and appreciate who it is that God has made us to be? And so what I would call us back to, we're in a series on gratitude. We've talked about having gratitude with our relationship with God and worship. We've talked about having gratitude with our relationship with each other um, and other people. And so today... I want to talk about how does gratitude impact our relationship with ourselves? And how, how does that impact our relationship with who we are? Because ultimately, and maybe you're getting tired of me saying this, but I'm just going to keep saying it till you believe it because it's true. Gratitude is based on the generosity of God. And the biblical version, like, we, I am not saying that we should just all be grateful and write down, you know, all the tough things in my life that I hate. I'm just so grateful that I had a flat tire on my car today. Like, no, because actually science shows that that type of gratitude practice, like if you're trying to force yourself by lying to yourself, that actually can't help you because your brain knows, like your body knows, I am not actually grateful for this. But a genuine sense of gratitude can see the generosity of God. Because I believe at the core of the universe that God has given us everything. Like God gave us a good world. Genesis chapter 1, when the world gets created, right? God gives generously to humanity. And when you have been given something generously, don't you experience some gratitude? Don't you? When I, when I was in college, um, my grandpa lent me his 2005 GT Mustang because I needed a car to get to work, right? This was the only solution we could come up with was that Andrew needed to borrow. And I was so careful with that thing, right? Like I, I vacuumed it and deep cleaned it. My friends, I'm like, you keep your milkshakes out of this thing because nothing is going to happen. And I felt so cool driving onto campus. Every single day, I was so grateful. And I wonder, like, how would it change our lives if we approached every day as a gift? Maybe that's why it's called the present. <laughs> Dad jokes. Okay. Uh, but the creation, like the beginning story, God gives humanity creation, and he makes a garden, and then he takes Adam and Eve, and he puts them in this garden, and our generous God makes them, and they are naked and not ashamed. Because God makes them complete in that moment. And then we've talked about the, the core story of the universe is humanity. We mess this up. We bring brokenness into our world. And then what's John 3.16? That for God so loved the world, he gave. And like it's the initiation of God to be generous that is the reason we gather. It's the reason we take communion. It's what I believe at the foundation of the universe. And I believe 
that a generous God has been working in your life and your story to bring you to the point that you scraped the ice off your car and drove in today. I believe that every single moment, like with the bumps and the bruises and the ups and the down, that God is working in our stories as a generous God to bring us to a good place. And so that's why I invite people to follow Jesus because that's the testimony. Like that's what has happened in my life. And that gives me hope for the fact that God is ultimately making everything new. And so let's look at a biblical lens. Like how does God, and I'm sure this is a question that you were asked this week, how does God feel about your body? Like how, how does God feel about this? Here's what Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and then that final word is with all your might. And the Hebrew word there is me'od, which is your, literally, it is the muchness. You got some muchness in your life? Like, how much are you? Like, everything that you are. And it's saying, God has given, God is worthy of everything that we could give. And I do believe God, he looks past just the physical, but he still sees the physical. Right? The, the epic story is that when um, Samuel is with David and God says, I don't look just at the outward appearance, right? I look at the heart. But then you've got Jesus and Jesus walks around proclaiming that the kingdom of God has come. And in order to show that, he heals people's bodies. He heals their physical ailments because God cares about both. So how does God feel about you? And what it says in the Psalms, and I would take this phrase, is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Meaning, you're a masterpiece, right? God made you on purpose. Here's what he would say in Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them. The days of my life, the days that were formed for me, and when, even when, as yet, there were none of them. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared uh, beforehand so that we could walk in them. That word for workmanship is masterpiece, right? And so if y'all have any questions, like, I'm just a masterpiece. God's just working on sanding off some of the rough edges right now, right? That's... That's the process. And, and what this would cause me to believe would go against the story that you might have heard in our world that you are, you know, a result of chaos and accidents and cells that just came together. And what does the Bible say? No! God made you on purpose. And so even if you were a surprise to some people, like your parents. You were not a surprise to God. Here at Dallas Church, we believe our mission statement is discovering God's dream. 
And we would take that back to the fact that God has always wanted you to be in this world. God, God created each and every one of us, and he, he formed you on purpose. He knew you. He wanted you in this world. Um, I, I have a little daughter whose name is Melody, and she is so adorable that she has to make a cameo appearance in every sermon, so here it is, okay? But I picked Melody's name when I was 16 years old because I was, I was a kid in band, and just for some reason I, I thought and I knew, and I was like, I love music, and one day I'm going to grow up, I'm going to have a baby girl, I'm going to name her Melody. And it just, it just was inside of my heart. And so this summer, as I'm holding my baby girl and like rocking her to sleep, um, I just had this overwhelming sense where um, I said this to her, and I hope she feels this, I don't know if she'll even remember this, right? But I was like, Melody, I have always wanted to be your daddy. I have always wanted you in my life. And I think that's how God feels about each and every one of us. He has always wanted you. And that's why he, he planned for you. He made you with a purpose. He made you with gifts. He put you here on purpose for a reason. Because God wants you. And I have, I have felt before from, from pastors and churches, um, I have not felt that. I have felt people when they're describing God and describing me, they're like, well, you're a terrible, awful sinner. Like, you're a worm. And what does the scripture say? It says that God loved us so much. Each and every one of us, God created a way and a path for us. And, and the lies that we've picked up, the things that tell me, right, that I'm not good enough, the things that tell me that I should change who and what I am, those don't come from God. Those don't come from him. Uh, Max Lucado is a, a pastor who writes all kinds of books. Like, he's written more books than I will ever read, right? And, and one of his favorite books, if you ask him, what's your favorite book that you've ever written? It's the story of, like, these little like puppet people. It's this kind of Pinocchio fantasy sort of novel. And, and it's this little story about these people. They walk around, and every day, all the little puppets in this society, they give you either a star or a dot. And they're like, here's your star, you're good. Here's your dot, that's bad. Here's your star, you're good. Here's your dot, that's bad. And just everyone gets to see all day long. You have lots of stars, you have lots of dots. Like, this is how this goes. Now, I'm pretty sure he wrote this before social media, and we literally started giving each other stars and dots in the world. Like, that's terrifying. And in this story, there's one, one of the little wooden puppets that um, every, she has no stars, no dots on her. She's got nothing every single day. No stars, no dots. And the other ones, they ask her, they're like, hey, um, what? why don't you have any stars or dots? And she says, oh, well, I go to the maker every day. And I sit down with him, and he tells me, you're enough. You don't need any stars. You don't need any dots. And just every day, she checks in. She says, and those people who are giving out stars and dots, they didn't make me. They don't know. They don't matter. And I wonder how many of us, like, that, that hits me where I live, right? That hits me deep down. Can I be grateful for the way and who God has made me to be. And so I think 
Gratitude and faith in Jesus creates a humble self-confidence. I think as Christians, we should have a good level of knowing that we're worth something. Because to Jesus, we were worth everything, right? Like, we should know. And so I would reject a version of Christianity that would say that we are totally depraved as humans. That, that we're just like everything, even when you're doing the good stuff, like that's just awful. And, and I grew up in like small groups where we had this habit. Anytime someone would say, we're like, how are you this morning? Oh, well, I'm good. And we'd be like, are you? Are you really good? Because God says that you're a sinner and you're going to. I'm like, whoa. I'm 12. Like, I don't, like, Whoa. And what I would see in scripture, like, yes, humans are broken. I am not naive about the fact that, like, we have things in this world that are terrible. And, and I think what is so terrible about humans is that we are so good and God gives us so much potential that when it's wasted or when we go the wrong direction with it, that's what makes it so sad. When a person would take you know, themselves and do terrible things with this great gift that God has given them. And that's what makes it so sad. And I think that's what breaks God's heart. But ultimately, like what do I see in the book of Genesis is that God made us image bearers. And he put his image in our hearts. And that's why even people who have no connection with God, right? Atheists with money give to charity. Right? People with no relationship with Jesus say, I'm motivated to make someone else's life better because we can't help but reflect. We can't help but image what it is that God has put in our hearts. And so ultimately, God's kingdom is both physical and it is spiritual. We have this tug in our world one way or the other, right? And I've, I've seen this because you got, you know, the Apple commercials that are like, well, if you spend this money and buy this product, your life will be perfect. Last year, I was this summer, I'm pushing a grocery cart around and there's this little like poster for an Apple gift card and it says, endless joy for all. I have received an Apple gift card. I did not get endless joy for all from that. Like I'm just being honest, but, but our world, it pulls us into materialism, but then you've also got this call of asceticism on the other side, which is like, well, it's all going to burn. You know, it's just, it's just all going to burn anyways, right? Mom, this is why I don't need to clean my room. It's all going to burn, right? Or, but, but people who are like, well, you just have faith in Jesus. Like, it's 31 degrees outside. You probably need a coat and some soup. But have you, have you had a gospel tract about that you can go to heaven? Well, hang on. The church is always at its best. Following Jesus is always at its best when we are doing both. When we are being Jesus in this world. I already said, like, when he heals the sick, when he casts out demons, when he made people's lives better, he was showing us what God's kingdom is like, as well as he was inviting us to live that kingdom and experience it in our hearts. And so we live in this tension because God cares about the physical and the spiritual. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. 
whether you are, right, a, a pastor, you're studying the Bible, whether you're a teacher, right, whether you're providing food service or products to help build people's lives, that's kingdom work. And so let's, let's walk in that kingdom. Let's, let's live in that. Do you know why Sunday school was invented? Sunday school was invented not so that kids could sing, you know, about Father Abraham and right arm, left arm, you know, all that stuff, right? Sunday school was invented because in the Industrial Revolution, there were poor children who could not afford to go to school. They had to go to work. They had to go to the factories. And what the church said, there were Christians who said, we're going to educate the poor. We're going to take our time and our energy, and on Sunday... We might as well make people's lives better because we're gathering to say we believe in this. That is so different from what we do with it now, right? Like sometimes Sunday school, it, it, can't, it can't be just about like patting ourselves on the back and saying, well, I know more about the Bible. Andrew told me some nerdy facts, you know. It's about change in the world and us manifesting the kingdom of God. And so I believe Dallas Church, we, we are always at our best when we are being Jesus in the everyday as well as experiencing the spiritual reality and having a hope for the future. Because here's what I see at the end of this book. In, in Revelation 21, um, God comes. This is, I mean, big picture stuff, guys. Um, but God takes heaven and earth and he makes them one again, and he remakes them together. Now, when I was a kid, and I was asking, okay, so what's heaven like? Because I think eternal Disneyland sounds like a really cool idea, right? And then what my Sunday school teacher told me was, well, it's like a church service that lasts forever. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? what? What's my other option? Oh, okay, Death Valley. Okay, no, that's, you know, huh. I don't like either of these options, but, but what I see in the scripture is that God is making the adventurous world, right? Like, like the hiking trails, like the paddle boarding, like all those things Andrew does with his summer. Like, but God, he remakes the world together. There was one time I taught, I taught this as a youth group lesson, and just to get a rile out of all the kids, right? I stand up and I'm like, okay, so I want to talk to you tonight about how I don't want to go to heaven. And all the youth kids are like, what? And one of the kids was absent. So the next week, right, after all the other kids are talking about, we're going to go to heaven, a new, new heaven, new earth, it's great. And this one kid's like, you mean we're not going to heaven anymore? Like, and it's, it's a shift. But I just, I believe the kingdom of God is more. I believe it has more for us. I think it is both the physical and the spiritual and so in the meantime, as I await, you know, this really cool thing that God's going to do someday, I get to live in the world of bills and social media and lawns that need mowing, weeds that need pulling, right, tires that go flat. I live in this mess. And so what do I do today? What do I do today? Can I be grateful for the skin that I'm in. Here's what um, a sense of gratitude can start to heal the mind. Like science is just starting to catch up to what I think the Bible has said all along. 
in um, Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So in the first century, the Apostle Paul would say, what's the cure for anxiety? Gratitude. And in the 21st century, if you go see a therapist, you're like, I have anxiety. You know what the cure for anxiety is? Gratitude. A gratitude habit. Because of this thing called neuroplasticity, which is that our brain is constantly being rewired. It's constantly being rewired by the small inputs that we get. And so you can reframe how you see yourself. You have been framed. You have literally been programmed to think about yourself the way that you currently think about yourself. I understand. That's big. That's deep. But, but here's, here's just if I can get real practical, okay? Gratitude, a spirit of gratitude in our lives. It helps us experience our positive emotions and experience them better. I'd like more joy in my life. That sound good? Anybody else? Yeah? It gives us resilience to the hard stuff. When, when something difficult happens to someone who has a gratitude practice and a spirit of gratitude in their life, they are more resilient in the face of adversity. Who'd like that? I'd like that. Yeah, i like it. Yeah. Um, it can strengthen relationships. Couples that are, um, they have a practice of expressing gratitude to the other person in the relationship they are found to have an easier time having the tough conversations. Like, if you have a habit of saying, thank you, honey, for washing the dishes, you know, or whatever that could be, that gives you a deeper relationship and a deeper connection to have the, hey, I'm really mad because you didn't wash the dishes. You know, whatever that could be. Gratitude helps us fight anxiety and depression. It literally moves our brain from the fight or flight response to a relaxation response, deep in the core of our physiology. It can even lower blood pressure, not certified by Andrew Bullock, Doctor Incorporated, right? But, but gratitude, it's so, so powerful. And so maybe this is true. This is what one study from Harvard said. They were like, okay, so it's not that happy people are grateful. It's that grateful people are happy. It's that if you're grateful that you experience life at a more positive level. And so, can we be grateful for the skin that we're in? Can we be grateful for who we are and how we're made? Um, there's, there's one study um, that found that with gratitude practices, so many gratitude practices is just that bullet point, right? You're writing what I'm thankful for, okay? You know, scraped ice off the car, hot coffee, a car that started, a job that pays the bills, you know, these things that we can be grateful for. But, but because our brains are wired to experience stories, and we experience life as stories, the most powerful gratitude practice is if I can tell you a story about why I'm grateful for you. The most powerful thing that can happen in your brain to, to rewire and create health is if I can express gratitude to you, like a letter or a card or something like that. Now, we cannot take and put the full weight of our mental health and well-being on the hope that someone's gonna randomly walk up and say what we want them to say to us, right? So that's not necessarily the best path forward. So what's the next level below that? 
is if you can remember a time when someone was grateful to you. Maybe you have some cards. Maybe you have some letters. I actually have a box where I keep every single card that anyone has ever given me. And it's, it's getting to be a very large box of cards at this point. But, but I keep it because, for me, it's this memory that someone appreciated me. Someone saw what maybe no one else sees. And so I, as a pastor, give you permission, permission to reread some of those cards. That's not pride, right? That's, that's just a healthy self-confidence. Lean into it. Sometimes, as Christians, when we get a compliment, you feel like you got to be like, oh, well, you know, it's God who gave me the ability to throw the football, right? It's God. Well, can, can we just sometimes, as Christians, I'm going to give you permission to take the compliment. Say thank you. Because maybe you are really good at what you do. Like when someone gives you a compliment, they mean it. And maybe we can lean into that. Now, here's the next level below that, right? If you can remember a time someone was grateful to you, the next level is if you can go back to a story of someone else who is grateful because someone showed up in their life. This is actually scientifically proven, right? To rewire your brain. There were stories and studies of these people who are exposed to stories of other people who gave generously and someone um, was grateful back to them. And even if you're not even in that story, just that fact that someone was generous, another person was grateful, meditating on that, being in that place, can give you health. Now, here's what I think is really interesting about that. Do you know what this book of, is full of? It's full of stories where God gave generously and showed up in people's lives, and they were grateful back. So maybe what you need for your mental health is just become an Old Testament Bible nerd. That's, maybe that's what this is meaning. But, but for real, let's, let's bring it back. Because I really do believe gratitude can heal. A sense of gratitude can be healing. The, the Jewish rabbis would talk about the difference between a good eye and a bad eye. Jesus said, um, if your eye is good, right, then what's on the inside, the heart, is good. If your eye is bad, then what's on the heart, what's on the inside is bad. And what that means is it's all about this perspective shift. Um, Ann Voskamp said it this way, the remedy is in the retina, the way that we see the world that we interact with, because you have the power to interpret your scenarios. Like, you have the power to reframe what you're encountering. And I'd, I'd encourage us to cultivate gratitude and remember the generous God that showed up for us. So maybe that means you're going to start the gratitude habit, right? Maybe you're going to hang on to some notes. Um, how, how different would it be as a church is if every time we felt gratitude, we said it, we expressed it, if you ever thought, you're like, man, I'm really grateful for that person. If only there was some way I could contact them and tell them that I am grateful for what they did. Maybe that's just something we can be generous with. Um, maybe keeping your notes of gratitude. Maybe as, as you grow in your relationship with yourself, um, maybe the idea of play and having fun is something you can recapture. I, I believe in a God who built the Sabbath. 
which means that as Christians, you know, we're supposed to party one day a week. Yeah, someone said woohoo, just one of you. Can I get a witness? No, yeah, but like, how different would it be? I remember as a kid, I gotta go to church. Like, oh, that's so boring. What if, like, if we were known, those people follow Jesus, they throw really good parties one day a week. Like, how cool would that be? And so, so maybe one of the things you can do is just start to list off what are the things you liked to do as a kid that were fun. Maybe things that you, you know, forgot about. There was one 4th of July, my siblings were all grown-ups now, right? We're all adults, and, and some of them kind of laughed or thought this was stupid, but I was like, so can we all go play with the Nerf football for 4th of July this year? Because that sounds really fun to me. And as an adult, like, I can see, right? Like, as an adult, like, I asked my dad, I was like, can we play catch? Can we go do this? Just throw this back and forth. There was one time I drove to someone's house just to get a hug from them. They didn't know this, right? I showed up. I'm like, hey, you need some yard work done? Can I help out? Something. But like, I just was in a place I really needed a hug from this person. So can I give you permission to embrace that? Because God put that in you? What would it be like if we could be grateful and we could reapproach our, our bodies, our relationship with ourself in a different way that embraces health. I told you about all the ways where like, I'm set up to fail with how I feel about my body, right? I was sick, it was no fun. Well, this summer, um, after kind of a long journey of adding small steps of health, um, this, is, this is maybe the pinnacle of you know, Andrew's fitness endeavors, whatever, but, but I, was, I was hiking up um, Mount Rainier, and I had my little girl in my, my backpack, and I'm hiking up Mount Rainier, and there was this group of older people from an Asian country somewhere that are hiking up with me, and they're like, wow, you're so strong. Do all Americans like carry their babies up mountains? And they're like, you, you are, and I, someone looked at me and said this, they're like, you are a mighty father. And I was like, yes, yes, I am, right? <laughs> but I think, like, God built us to do stuff, to have fun, to make crafts, to go for runs and walks and to smell the winter air, rake up some leaves. I just, I believe our generous God has so much for us. Let's be grateful. Let's pray. Father God, I love you. Jesus, thank you for making me me and for gifting every single one of us with the path that you put us on. God, we ask you to be there with us in the hard moments. God, we ask you to give us hope for a future, and we ask you to help us be grateful where we are today. We love you, Jesus. Amen.